Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Yeah, so we basically moved out of there because it became this whole thing where it just wasn't safe anymore. Plus, like, turns out, Sam, like, location matters. <laughs> and so we were, like, we were only six blocks away from, like, the commons and from, like, Capital Factory and stuff where all, like, the, you know, all the entrepreneurs are yeah. and stuff like that. But it was just far enough to be, like, away. And so what I did is, like, moved us down over here off of A Street. We were literally, like... Capital factories right here. The commons is right here. Like we're like in the corner. So you kind of, oh, wow. you kind of have That's to go, cool. go through us <laughs> to like get there. Plus it's just better. Like we're closer to the guys at the commons and yeah, that's we're always, great. we're always working with each other. So it's just like, it's much easier, fluid and better for the overall community. I can imagine. Large. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- yeah. I still thought it was pretty close. I'm from, from Phoenix where everything's far away. So when I went in March for the Sats by Southwest thing, I was like, that was actually one of my main feedback points was this is so cool to be able to just walk between these two places and just kind of stay in there. Like, I, I can't remember where I stayed, but it was all, everything was within walking distance and it was really nice. Yeah. It's really cool now. Cause like, we're like much closer. So whenever there's like, like a bit devs or an ABC, we literally can just like walk through the alley. <laughs> yeah. That, that, no, that's amazing. And it, I, yeah. I was asking, cause it looks like you're in a record store almost behind you. <laughs> like a, you got a cool little, that's kind of blurry, but you got a cool little setup back there. Yeah, so Nifty got some signs. I'm not sure where they came from, but um, and we just put them back here just because we do a lot of podcasts back here. Uh, nice. Yeah, Austin does like his pleb dev stuff. Uh, obviously, me and Keon do that Sacker News live show that I'm forced to do every week. Um, so, <laughs> which I, I'm a fan of. I listen as much as often as I can, but oh, I haven't wow. seen the. Li- I don't listen to it live. I just listen to it in Fountain. Oh, here's oh, okay. Michael. Oh, hey, what's up, Michael? Yo, thanks for joining didn't, us. Didn't know if he would pop on or not. Are you you in for the long haul, or are you just saying hi? Uh, I, how long is this going to be? <laughs> uh, I, I, I clocked this for an hour. I mean, okay. Yeah. I mean, you got to jump off. Uh, that's okay too. All right. You just, you, we lost you. First. Now you're gone. Now you're gone. <laughs> that was a quick trip. That was really fast, Michael. Am I back? You're yeah, back. Yeah. You're so back. Okay, cool. No, we were just um, chatting about the, uh, like the, the Austin scene here and, um, how it's grown and where we're at and stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I told I told Sam like, oh, we'll see how this afternoon goes. At the least, I'll just drop in and say hi. But um, I think uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to stay and chat. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely, hey guys. So we're yeah. just about to talk a lot of trash on you, but now I guess we'll have to wait until you leave. <laughs> oh shit! Then I'll just log off and like wait till it's recorded. I'll so, just listen to the recording. Then. So I really I want to do this kind of founder talk because, dude, like. <laughs> Just on my side, it's so hard being a founder in Bitcoin, man. And I feel like if we can just drop some knowledge out there to any aspiring builders, like, yeah, can, can you guys just kind of run through? I mean, you don't have to share everything, obviously, you know, fiduciary duties and stuff. But just like, what can you, what what kind of advice can you give to like some people that are thinking about doing, doing like a Bitcoin company? Man. Well, <laughs> uh, it's... It's it's different. So I I have experience running businesses. I've been running businesses for a, a long time. One in particular for almost sixteen years now, and 
it's, I mean, just starting a business in general is, is difficult. So anyone looking to do it, I, I think you're awesome. I think you're on the right track. I think it's going to be one of the most difficult things that you've ever done. And it just gets harder. It actually just literally gets harder as you grow. Um, and then you add this complexity of, of Bitcoin to the mix. And, you know, even if you're, I mean, there's just so many levels of complexity with that. It's, it's fear of regulation, doing things right, making sure things work. I mean, everything's just so, all this technology is so new. Um, Bitcoin itself isn't necessarily these days, but you know, a lot of the technology that we're working on is so new and fresh. And so um, you do have the benefit of having a more forgiving audience, I think, with a lot of this stuff. Um, but there's a huge, there's a huge complexity, which is how do you scale this into the mainstream, which I think every single person is going through right now who's working on a Bitcoin business is how do we now take this, you know, it's your cash app, but even cash app, and they're doing such a good job with it, with their marketing and the way they do all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that that's really, that's probably the, you know, set aside the regulation stuff and all that all that FUD and everything that comes along with that and the, and the reality of it as well. But um, I think just getting this stuff into mainstream is probably going to be our biggest hurdle moving forward. And when I say our, I mean every single person working in Bitcoin right now. Right. Michael, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I mean, I've, I think the biggest, uh, I guess, advice or I guess the biggest benefit for me that I can think of is just having a partner that you can trust and that kind of brings another set of skills that you don't have to the table. I think that's been huge. Um, just like meeting Sam and working with him since we you know, started talking has been, I think, not only hugely beneficial for me, but also the direction of Wave Lake. Um, so I think just having having that other person who you can bounce ideas off of and who can challenge your own thinking, I think can go a really long way. That doesn't necessarily mean like everyone needs, you know, partner or partners to work with, but I do think, you know, having just intelligent, thoughtful people who are on the same mindset, like in the same mindset as you in terms of the mission that you're trying to accomplish what you're trying to achieve. I think as long as you're aligned in that really high level sense, everything else can be sorted out. Like all and, and any disagreements and conflict that might arise out of that working relationship in the end, ultimately I think benefits you and the company and, and the mission you're trying to achieve. So I would say, yeah, if you can find that person and I think like, Take your time with it. I think like it's not something to jump into, um, but I would say like that's been that's been huge. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't find a partner, then go join Pleb Lab and be be around all those people because that's I that was one of the I, we were talking a little bit a minute ago about the last time I went there, and it was just so cool to have that community around you to be able to bounce stuff off of. Yeah, that, that I mean, personally for me, like I, I've seen people come in here with just an idea and then now they're like raising money and it's, it's been like six, seven months. It takes a really long time, you know, uh, as y'all know. Yeah. And, um, but it's, it's, it's truly fascinating to see, you know, other people who already have a built-in reputation come in here and like even take off even further than I could ever imagine. Um, I, I think there's something about that kind of aspect where iron sharpens iron, you know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think another thing I'd add to just, you know, kind of on the topic of um, just Bitcoin continuing to change. And, you know, I think it's safe to say that there are a variety of, I wouldn't call them factions is maybe too strong of a word, but there's, there's different people think about Bitcoin in different ways and, how it's going to be used and how mass adoption is going to be accomplished. And everyone has slightly different opinions and, you know, you can group those into maybe some general categories. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's another, that's another challenge or another question that we try to answer for ourselves a lot is, you know, who are we serving? 
who are we trying to help here? Um, and think about, you know, how best to accomplish that. Because I think, especially with the technology changing and evolving and also just being very complex and misunderstood right now, I think that's an important question to answer for yourself so that you know what you're building and who you're building it for. Because I think that just helps to refine the product that you're that you're that you're striving to to build. Yeah, that's such a strong foundational thing that you you really need to get right out of the gate is what is the core audience here? What is the core product? And if you it's so easy to be to get swayed from that stuff, whether it's because of finances or frustration or like is this is I don't know if this is working and so you start doubting stuff, but that that's the, that's the way you succeed is if you just stay on path and you have that definition of what that is and who who you're making it for early enough and you just stay on course you will get there i mean that's the any anytime anyone's asked me like how do you make it in like the music business or the art scene or or just business in general it's always just like consistency is the number one thing if you just you have a good idea and you know it's a good idea and you have the drive and motivation to do it you will struggle. Almost everybody struggles. If you don't struggle, something's wrong. That's actually the biggest red flag is if you don't struggle, something's <laughs> wrong. Because you're, you're going to struggle eventually, you know, even if you get to find success soon. Um, so, you know, you have to just be prepared for that and, and stick with it. And then the the payout generally is that much more rewarding as a result of doing putting in the work. Yeah, I, I think you guys have such a great brand. It's such a cool freaking brand. Like, it's so cool. Like, look at Michael's face. He's like, yeah, I know, car. <laughs> Dude, Sam, like, how do you guys, like, how do you guys come up with these concepts? Because it's, like, really hard to find really good style in, in, in Bitcoin, as you know. But what, how did you guys come up with this design, this aesthetic, this whole look? It's, uh, well, it's, it's, such, it's a cool, yeah. such a cool name. Michael came up with the name before I even came along. I mean, it, it was, I think I was one of the first testers of Wavelike, but just, I could see, I could see that it had there's something there just because that's such an important part of it. You want to have a memorable name. I love that it had nothing to do with, I mean, no offense to anyone who's naming their stuff, like, you know, Nostra protocol, Nostra applications with STR at the end of it or orange things or, you know, it just, that's, there's just a lot of that stuff out there. And I really, I personally just liked that it was refreshing that there was just this totally random name that didn't really make any sense, but I could see the connection to the, the music side. I mean, the wave people have a hard time pronouncing it sometimes, but wave away files and music file and whatever. Um, but yeah, Michael, Michael really, really kickstarted it with just a killer name and, and, uh, fortunate enough to have all the domains and stuff work, <laughs> work in his favor. Uh, but brand, I mean, the branding stuff, that's, I mean, that's definitely, um, I've been doing that a long time and it's super collaborative too. Cause I, I need, a, I, I've always, even I've been doing graphic design and, and um, branding and stuff for many, many years now. Um, I always send it to people and it's really cool now because I've never had a partner in that to, to really be able to hone it in. And we, um, we passed around a lot of different versions of, of this stuff before we landed on something. And that input's very valuable because normally I just work really quick and it was nice to really put some time into it. And I think we, we landed in a good spot with it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been very collaborative in terms of, um, you know, coming up with the imagery and the feel. I mean, 99% of the, uh, of the aesthetic is Sam's. So like all credit should go to him in terms of the graphic design and like the, the, the you know, the zine was his idea, um, which is another like carryover from like the indie music punk world. Um, but I think like, I, I don't know. I just wanted, I think it's just the product of wanting to see cool things in the world that, um, that, you know, aren't necessarily so literally about Bitcoin, just, you know, in the same way that like, I don't know, anything else you like music, art, movies that you're into, you know, they can be about things that you're interested in. But, um, yeah, I think the look and the feel can just exist as its own kind of neat thing to look at or, you know, listen to. Uh, and I think like, I don't know, I think that's important, especially because our audience is artists and we want, we want them to feel like, you know, we're, we're thinking about 
those things along with them because artists are thinking about, you know, uh, visuals and designs and like the way their music sounds and the context that it's wrapped up in. Uh, all that's in, all that's important in terms of how it's presented, how someone comes across it for the first time. So I think it was especially critical for us to focus on that and then, and just continue to refine it as we go. Yeah. And, and to me, I, I just, when I look at it, it's just so gorgeous, man. There's, I mean, this is, you guys are like playing to the same things I love. And, and for me, it's like, it's so rewarding to see it and see it flourish. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing it for Bitcoin, man. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about like users and stuff like that. Cause there's so many different ways and different paths y'all could have gone, right? Y'all could have gone, you know, um, the user route or focusing on the artist, like you just said. Um, how do you guys think through all that kind of stuff? Like, cause it, it, like, you, like you said earlier, Sam, it could get complicated if you're spread too thin and you're looking at too many different areas. And and we can, we can get into like the Bandcamp stuff and the Spotify stuff later, but like, how did you guys originally land on a, a specific niche uh, when you guys were thinking through it? Um, well, you know, the the main issue at that time when we really started digging into this, or the let's call it the the rebrand and the whole kind of thought process around what Wave Lake would ultimately become the distribution model was a big, a big part of it. And so that was our initial thought process was there just needs to be a familiar onboarding place for musicians to go. Uh, they don't necessarily, they won't, they won't necessarily have to fully understand how RSS works or dig into the podcasting 2.0 space or any of these other things that, um, were fun to mess around with. I did prior to Wave Lake existing and it was fun to do, but it was difficult. You know, it's like, you I mean, you know how it goes. It's like, I had a node. I had the whole thing. It, the first version of Wave Lake, you had to have your own node and you could, you know, bake a macaroon or whatever. It's called, I don't know any, I don't know any of these things. I just spout out words. Um, but it was difficult to do, you know? So that was really the thing is the the core user is the art and the users are the artists and the fans. And so the the initial launch was let's have, a studio um, site for people to be able to easily upload and it'll just feel like Bandcamp or something else like that. And then have a front end player that's just simple to try it out. Um, we weren't really going to do much with the player up, but I think that that's evolved quite a bit. I mean, in fact, I know it has, has evolved quite a bit in the last year. Now we have an iOS player we're working on. Um, and these things come up because we're just starting to identify uh, the importance of of keeping a balance between the artist and the fan. If it, it doesn't really do the artist that much good, if you have a place for them to upload their stuff, but then you don't have a place for them to send their fans. And so maintaining that balance between those two products for the, for the, the set of users for wave, like can be tough, but I think we're finally starting to get a good rhythm with that. And I'll stop talking and let Michael talk about the, talk about it more. I think the only thing I would add to that is that, you know, it's, as, I, as we were starting this company, like this is the first company I've ever founded. And so, you know, I did all the, I did the class of like Homer Simpson, like pick up a, how to create a company book. And then it was like, eventually you led to like me picking up a dictionary. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the, the two-sided market problem, I guess, is one of the hardest ones to solve if starting a company, especially if that market doesn't exist. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to do that. And I think the, the kind of the studio side and then the listening experience for fans, um, I think that's probably been the hardest challenge is sort of building up both of those simultaneously. And not only, you know, having a place for artists to be able to easily upload and distribute their music, but then also having a place for their fans to go to, see, to hear that music. Um, thankfully, you know, we are working in this open podcasting ecosystem. And so, you know, some of that heavy lifting is also now happening with other players adopting music like fountain. Um, and then we have these podcasts, these music podcast shows that have sprung up in the last few months. 
which is all doing, uh, you know, a lot of service in terms of presenting the music for listeners in, in like other unique and interesting ways. Uh, but, but it's still, I think it's a, still a pretty big, uh, still a pretty, uh, pretty daunting challenge to try and, you know, overcome. Yeah. I'm curious, like how, how did SoundCloud and all, and all like, man, how did they do it? Did just, did it, was it just time over time? Is that how they did it? It was time. Yeah. I don't, I wasn't a really big SoundCloud user. I feel like I've always had an account. I was actually just going through my end of the year stuff and I was like, huh, I still have a SoundCloud subscription. Apparently <laughs> probably canceled that. I haven't used it in like 10 years, but um, I did, I was, I was friendly with uh, Ethan. He started Bandcamp. We started actually my, my merchandise company that I work with is in the music industry. Um, and he started around the same time. And one of the record labels that we both worked with connected us and so I had some really cool early conversations with him to see where that was headed and, you know, how merch might be involved and how things, how things were going to shake out. And, um, I was really stoked to hear then that it was really, it was just like, I just want to make a cool thing for bands and just mm. let it, let it roll. Like there was, I mean, yeah. it didn't change that much. If, I mean, if you look at Bandcamp today and you look at Bandcamp 15 years ago, it really hasn't changed that much. You know, there's, there been some cool features more or less but the ui is kind of the same the uploading process is the same um they added a really cool editorial department for for a long time that it built out a really cool community and it was truly something that just that just um came to have a life of its own through community and through through artists and then it got to this point where not only was it you know viable for for independent artists and small artists, but bigger artists were using it as well. It just became a destination for, for that community. Like if you're a Mac DeMarco and you're on a major label, you still might want to upload to to Bandcamp just because you know a big portion of your audience is going to be there. So really, I, I wouldn't say we're taking that model exactly, but... I mean, yeah, I think like that's another big challenge is, you know, bootstrapping the library. Uh, we are, we're starting from zero, but the fact that that has happened and worked in the past for sites like Bandcamp, SoundCloud, yeah. you know, MySpace before it, um, I think that's that's what gives me hope, and I think that's promising that you can build a, a pretty influential catalog of music organically if you just, you know, if if you if you see the artist well and if you know, the timing of what you're doing kind of sits in that sweet spot where there's a need um, and you're meeting that need at that time. Um, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other X factors that I am not even aware of. Um, but it, it does seem, it's just so funny, like just in the last year since we launched, there's so many things going on in the quote unquote music industry you know, with what's happening with Spotify, even Bandcamp has changed hands a couple times. Like the owner has changed hands in the last two years, I think twice now. Um, there are things going on with the performing rights organizations like um, uh, BMI uh, going to private equity. And, um, you know, there's just, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, that the, outcry from just regular listeners like regular listeners today are way more aware of how heated artists are on streaming platforms than they were just a few years ago like no one was talking about uh, royalties from spotify a few years back and now if you're any sort of music fan you're like it's just part of the conversation and people just it's just an ass assumed fact that everyone knows and you can you know kind of brush it off with a shorthand um in a conversation so i think like yeah the, the consciousness around that has changed a lot in the last couple of years um all i mean all of that just i think says to me that that some the the, the, the i don't know the environment is ripe for some kind of uh change yeah, I think the AI stuff is fascinating, dude. I like deep dived like 
I don't know if it was like a week ago into the whole Drake thing and like found out about all that kind of stuff. I was just like, what is going on? Like, how do you guys, yeah, how do you guys uh, look through that? I mean, I love, cause you guys are the experts. Like how are you, how, how, how are we, how are y'all thinking through that? We haven't talked too much about the AI stuff. I mean, there's so many, I can see so many benefits with using AI obviously as a tool for efficiency to be able to help. I mean, I know coders use it. I know, designers use it. I know companies use it to, to save money. I mean, you know, I don't know. There's various, various reasons, I guess you could use it as a tool. Um, I do think it's in a lot of cases, especially on the creative side, overused by just because it's a fun, it's like at this point now, like seeing so much AI art, for example, it's like, okay, that's a neat trick, but it's just kind of getting sort of like, you know, there's, there's no, um, it just all looks the same. It all looks like AI art, you know, it's not, there's no, and the, the reason that it does is because there's no, I don't want to say there's no creativity because I know people who are very creative, who come up with these super elaborate prompts to create these things. I, there, there is creativity there. So I can't, I can't knock it. I sort of like battle internally with the ideas as a creative person of just knowing that you can really find creativity in anything. So, so, and I, which I typically tend to, to champion no matter what it is. So it's kind of hard to, to talk too much shit on it. But um, the point I'm, I'm eventually going to make here in about two and a half hours when I get done rambling is, is that uh, I, I think we're just in a, I think we're just in this period where, you know, technology has bottled up to this point and we have all these cool tools. We have the internet, we have all these exciting opportunities and this new stuff is coming in and it's all fun and we're, we're using it. And I just don't think anybody knows how to use this stuff yet. I mean, it's even kind of like Bitcoin was, you know, it's like, I, I was excited. I've been excited about Bitcoin for a long time. I didn't really know what to do with it until, until a use case was actually presented. And I was like, Oh, this, well, this fits into my life. Now I know how, how this is going to work for me. And I think all these things, it, AI being one of them, will just eventually become part of our day-to-day life. There, we'll find reasonable use cases for them. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of really bad stuff that happens with all this stuff as well. But um, I also think people will find ways to be extra creative with AI. And I, what, I, what I actually hope comes out of it, which I think will, because it, it does tend to happen as technology grows, is people start to look at these things and, and crave reality more. You know, like if you like streaming music has never been bigger than right now, but neither has the vinyl industry. It's been growing for yeah. 16 years, year over year over year. It's because people like stuff. They like tangible things. They like real things. Um, you, you don't get that with streaming and you won't get that with AI art necessarily. Um, so I think it will, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're going to exist. Both are going to exist. I don't think either one is going to wipe away the other one. I just think um, it, it's exciting to see how technology can often bring back to light the analog version of something. You know, it's like we, we all have, both of us have zines. We have a zine, you have a zine. Why do we call it a zine? Because we, we crave the, the, the old days of like getting a black and white copy of some zine at a record store, you know, as you walk out with your flyer for the hate breed show or whatever you're going to. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it's all beneficial people just we just need to figure out how to use this stuff you yeah. know michael what do you I, think? yeah it's all a, it's all a pendulum swing i think so i think mm-hmm. like the, the as as sam was talking i started thinking back like because i just see ai as another tool it's just a new tool that no one really knows how to use yet and i was like well what's another example of this from the past and the first thing i thought of was auto-tune like auto-tune came out of yeah. the 90s right and like share had that believe song uh, and yeah. then it was like, which was like a monster hit. And then like a bunch of copycats came after that. And like people started like overusing auto tune in the late nineties, mm. early aughts uh, to the point where like everyone just got sick of it. So like, I don't want to hear like that crazy modulated voice action anymore. And then like fast forward a few years and like T-Pain comes along and starts like using it in a totally different way, like as an instrument. And then like, I don't know, I'm a huge Kanye fan. And like, and then Yeezy takes it like another level with, you know, with his songs. And so like now, you know, 
you know, in the in the '90s, I was like, yeah, O-Tune is garbage. Now I'm, you know, I hear some of that. Some of the like hip hop artists that have been using it, it's not as in fashion as it used to be. But you know, it, like they turned it into something super cool. And I think like AI in terms of music and you know art in general, I think AI is like free share believe right now. Like we're not even at the <laughs> believe era of AI yet. We're still like getting there but there what, will what a great be comparison i hope we see that in an article on like <laughs> forbes or something one of these days <laughs> this is ai's belief moment yeah um but like i think we'll get there i think there will be some like breakthrough sort of initial spark of an idea where oh this like this is actually kind of cool and then we'll continue to take it even further and further so I think there, I think there's potential there. I, you know, I'm skeptical about it right now, but it's so, it's so nascent. Like no one knows what they're doing with it. They're just throwing Every, yeah, everyone's just having fun with it. It's fun to mess around, but yeah. 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 But I mean, like to, to Sam's point, you know, when there's enough of that going around, eventually like people are going to, the, the pendulum will swing back and be like, all right, well, we, we, we had our AI music era and now we don't want that anymore. You know, it's like it's go right. Like there was a time when everyone had like their disco version of some track. <laughs> you know, like star. There's a Star Wars theme in disco, um, and then like that died swiftly when people got tired of it. So let's you bring know. that back. <laughs> bring back disco. Yeah, let's bring back disco. <laughs> let's make that yeah. our core focus at Wave Lake. Bring back disco. <laughs> I mean, Daft Punk did a pretty good job yeah, bringing, bringing back the sounds. So I, I got I got a spicy question to ask then, since we're talking about AI. What happens if you guys get uploaded an AI artist and it's, you know, like what 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 is what do you guys do like at, at that point? I mean, yeah, we, we have our typical, I mean, we're still very conscious of copyright. You know, we're artists first. That's what we want to do. So if someone, if an artist is getting ripped off in some way we're not cool with that and it has nothing to do with you know censorship or whatever it's just not cool like we're artists and they're artists and we want to make sure the whole point of our business is that the artist is getting paid so if somebody is is not is um not it is like blatantly ripping somebody off and we wouldn't have that um with that being said i do think we have some ai voice stuff that is original music but i, oh, wow. I feel like I've, I've heard that original music but with someone else's voice. And that's a little bit in the gray area, I think. Um, yeah. At least it has been for us, but I don't, I don't know how that's going to roll out, you know, in the future that if that becomes like a thing, then I guess we'll just sort of follow suit with what other people do. But um, we do want to maintain copyright and protect the artists. Yeah. I think that's the big question mark that everyone's thinking about the AI. If you're building these models off of other people's material, you know, even if it's loosely associated with the original content, um, it's still derived from it. And so how do you, how do you attribute, you know, credit? Um, yeah. I feel like the derivative part is, is tough to get around because everything is derivative of something, you know, True. I mean, I guess it's more obvious, I guess, if a computer is doing it through, you know, how, however that stuff works, but, but yeah, it's, it's so, it's such a tough thing. We just have to sort of see how that rolls out, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a re to me, it looks kind of like a remix, but it's like the way they present it. If that makes sense, I guess it's more about, I don't know. It's hard to think through this, man. It's so early. Like you said. Um, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I would say the danger of like over litigating or regulating AI artwork is like we don't want to repeat the sampling crackdown oh, yeah. of the late 80s with ai i think i mean this is my opinion i just think what happened like the bc boys paul boutique um other albums like from that era uh where sampling was like less understood and um you know there were still like samples to be cleared and right to be um acquired for records like that but um, it was a lot looser back then and less cost prohibitive. And so like you get into like post Bismarcky lawsuit in the nineties and 
um, you know, where the record companies are cracking down on sampling and it's a lot more expensive to sample anything. Um, and that continues to this day. Like, uh, I think that was a huge detriment to like music and mm-hmm. like just music generally speaking. And so I would just, I just hope like, you know, I, I understand the concern with AI, but I just hope we don't overcorrect and like stamp out what like what, you know, what could be possible with good things could be possible with it. Uh, just out of fear. Well, right. the, the good news is with this model that any new thing can be monetized so much easier now. Samples can be, people can be brought into the mix financially so much easier. Um, so if there's any silver lining there, I guess it, with AI is at least when it happens, if people start litigating, it becomes a problem. It'll be easier to resolve because you can just come to, if you can, if you can come to agreements with people like, Hey, we can just, cut you in on this remix or we can cut you, cut you in on this. That's a, that's, a interesting, that's an interesting thought process, right? If you kind of walk it down, like let's say hypothetically, like, uh, you know, wave Lake has this new artist and he's just like popping off. Right. And then he like uses an AI sample of like Drake or whoever, like at that point, like the options there are like, okay, do you just, can you could potentially zap Drake, his, his cut yeah. uh, of this, of the thing. And then the original artist gets his cut and it's probably going to be more than Spotify. Right. Cause like Spotify start giving them like what? 0. 0.00000, like one cent or something. Yeah. It's like 0.003. I think right now is the average per stream, but that's not what necessarily goes to the artist. That's just what goes to the the top level. And then it gets distributed out from there. But, but yeah, I mean, this would, I mean, I guess if Drake still has a publishing deal or whatever, whatever situation Drake is in, he's probably still going to have a lot of people taking a piece of that. But um, yes, it, it it would theoretically be more um, because I mean, just based alone on the fact that I think I think right now it moves all over the place, but I think right now our average boost or zap or whatever you want to call it is twelve cents, which is drastically better, um, and that and we've seen that be much higher. We've seen it be a couple cents lower, but and we're averaging about like 12 to 15 cents per zap. So, um, and that's, that's with, you know, a limited amount of artists and users that we have now. So you can see how that might scale. Um, it may, the, the amount might scale down a little bit, but the volume will more than make up for it. Wouldn't that be something though, Michael, like to, to like, like how wave, like, like breaks through the, is like literally somebody does that. And then, you know, it then, and then who knows, then you guys like, and then you obviously you'll probably have to take it down, but like, like it, maybe that's the initial thing that like kicks out the door underneath like Spotify, like pulls a rug basically on Spotify and all these other places. That would be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it is feasible that you could, I mean, even just like thinking about not just a single artist, but you could say in, and full disclosure i know nothing about when i say like build a model and all this like ai talking point stuff i don't know what i'm talking about i'm like literally uh just repeating what i've read but um you could you could see like you know we have thousands of songs on wave lake you could throw all of them into like an ai model and say like and then prompting it to make songs and you know, you could feasibly create a system where you say like, all right, well, everyone who created a song that went into this model will get some fractional portion of the output, assuming it, you know, is successful. And I think what's nice about something like that would be, you know, most experiments would probably not be successful, but you might have that one that hits and then, you know, uh, like 400 artists end up benefiting from that because, you know, they, they played a small part in contributing their work to this, you know, this computer generated song. I mean, that's like very sky high. Yeah, it, it's almost like a hive mind of, of artists together. I don't know. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to add to that layer and I'm going to throw the fans in the mix too. Cause it's, Cause then they okay. start sharing that track and now they're, they're brought into the splits and it just gets ridiculous. Yeah. I, I that's what I, that's what I'm ultimately hoping for. It's like, you just download an app, your music's there, you can start earning. So you never have to buy anything and it just becomes a circular thing that rides on its own momentum. Um, 
I'm excited for that. But yeah, the, the days of, I mean, I, there's already like very, very early versions of collaborative things happening through Stemster and then they get published on Wave Lake and we just added splits. I mean, they're kind of limited right now. We can't do it. We can't do a thousand, but we can do four. Um, so, you know, you can already do a, a small version of that. So yeah, I'm excited to see where all this stuff goes and as the technology advances and we, and we advance how this stuff plays out. Yeah, you guys are leading the the music area of Bitcoin. It's kind of cool, man. <laughs> it's kind of cool. It's fun. It's fun to be able. I mean, I've been trying to for so long, so it's awesome that it's actually happening and that's inspiring a lot of other people to to pick it up. So I'm just happy to see music being part of the conversation in a very real way now. Yeah, how do you guys think through that? Because like me personally, I've always said that if if um, if Bitcoin's ever going to take off, like we need culture, and the only way to get culture is like what Apple did, right? You buy beats yeah. or, or you make the iPod. Like it's obvious to me, plain as day, the only way Bitcoin's ever going to go mainstream is with music. It, there's no other way it's going to get mainstream. Personally, that's just what I'm betting on. Yeah, you need communities. I mean, we went to, that's why we're so pumped on Nostars because you can really merge those two worlds together, community and and the technology around it. But that was the number one thing when we were in Nostrasia. I feel like that was the the number one thing everyone kept bringing up is you need communities, you need better search, you need, you know, you need, people need to be able to find their people. If I download Primal or something and I'm into, you know, I don't know, like Spaghetti Westerns, I should be able to find the the four people that are into that. When I, when I started, I do that lightning store thing and that was literally the only way that I could find the music people. I was like, I have to start a business that sells like obscure music stuff just so I can find the people that like obscure music and like that really like obscure music, not people that are just like, yeah, I like misfits or whatever. It's like people that actually would buy a Bitcoin <laughs> misfits shirt or something. Uh, and they are out there. So that's the thing. It's like, these people are out there. They're just everyone, you know, 80% of the people on Nostra are just talking about Bitcoin and stuff still. So once, once the community stuff gets, gets worked out a little bit more, that's going to make a big difference because then you can bring these two things together. The culture comes in, the communities come in, people start feeling less intimidated when they sign up for something and they can, if they can find their people right away, then it's more inviting and it's, there's a, a better chance that they're going to stick around. So we got to do that too. You know, we, that's what the music discovery is. It is our version of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like that was one of the motivations for starting Wave Lake is that, you know, I'm a pretty enthusiastic Bitcoiner. Um, you know, I went through my talking endlessly about it phase um, for a couple of years with anyone who would give me five seconds. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't necessarily uh, relate to everything that like, you know, the hardcore Bitcoin people necessarily talk about. Um, but there was like this, I don't know, this gut feeling um, that I had for a long time that was just like, I'm in, I'm like a huge music nerd. I love, no one's really talking about it um, among the Bitcoin crowd, but, but I know they're out there. I just like, I just had that feeling like there's got to be other people like me who aren't necessarily into like some of this, um, you know, some of what the community like puts out there. There's got to be like other niches and interests apart from that, just people like me, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I feel like we're starting to see that come through now where it's like the subculture. You know, it's not, yeah. 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 It's not cool. a monolith. It's not yeah. a monolith. It's, it's like for anybody. And so it should reflect that. I think that the culture should reflect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I love talking about stuff like this. It's so much, so much fun, dude. Like that's why I'm so bullish on what you guys are doing. Um, it's just, it's, it's so what's needed in Bitcoin. It's so what's needed. Well, you know? you're trying to create that with Pleb. I mean, that's like Pleb Labs kind of vibe too, is like Actually, a collaborative space. Like for- me and Keon just literally just want to hang out with each other all day in his garage. <laughs> and then like, Kyle just like, no, let's do it in this thing. And, you know, I, I mean, I joke, I kid, but yeah, it's, I love it to death. Like I love hanging out with my friends and working on cool stuff. And I'm the luckiest person in the world. I get to do it every day and um, living the dream. But it's, uh, it's really hard. Like what you guys were saying earlier, it's like, it just gets harder it, and it's more responsibility. 
to others, to yourself, to, to shareholders. It just gets more and more and more and more tough. So it's, um, yeah, it's fun. I'm learning. I'm growing, but, um, yeah, let's talk about you guys though. Uh, what, what, uh, what are you guys thinking through as far as like for, uh, the future of, uh, wave like is, is it, um, cause like I've been saying this for the longest time. Sam, like we need a lightning festival, man. Like, do I have yeah. to do it? Like what? Like, cause yeah. I literally will do it if this is what it takes. Like I, I, we have ACL here. It's, it's getting lamer by the year. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's great. I love it. Whatever. But it'd be great to have a lightning festival. That's all I'm saying. I know they did it on the crypto side. Uh, I'm not telling y'all to do it, but like <laughs> who has to No, we're, it? yeah, we're making progress. There's definitely some progress being made for that. I mean, okay, in, cool. in, a, in a couple of weeks in Minneapolis, there's a show with two Wave Lake artists, Just Loud and Ainsley Costello are playing in Minneapolis on, I think the 21st. So if you are listening before, I don't know when this is airing. Monday, but, Monday. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're anywhere within driving distance to uh, Minneapolis, you should go check them out and support them. Um, they're both fantastic musicians uh, and have uploaded some really great music to Wave Lake. Um, we got some stuff cooking hopefully for next year. We want to do some shows too. And I think, I mean, I would love to do a festival. That's that's, I mean, we've talked about, I mean, all the really fun stuff is, is coming. Like we obviously have to build, build the the player and the studio and all that stuff first. And then you get to do more of the fun, like marketing things that will bring more people in and, and shine a brighter light on everything. But a festival would be, would be rad. And we want to do way more stuff like that. Dude, if you ever do one, like, I would do it for free. Just like give me this one. Yeah, no, it would contribute. be. It would be cool to do something in Austin for sure, because yeah. that's obviously a, a music town. Michael, what do you think? Yeah. yeah, I. I mean, I. I think we're we're just at the beginning of this, and so I mean, like I said, I'm a huge music nerd. So is Sam, um, you know, one thing that I've been just waiting for the right time to do is. Um, like I'm obsessed with vinyl, like records, I'm a collector. And so, um, yeah, I've, I've had a dream for a long time to just, I mean, produce a record, you know, it doesn't have to be mine. This, this is like a crazy thing I do every few months when I find a band, this has happened a few times in the last year, actually, where I find a band or an artist that doesn't have a physical release. And I start thinking like, all right like maybe I could put together a budget to like oh, run a pressing of this awesome. artist's album um, and like just front it for them. Cause I just want to see it in the world. Um, and so like, that's another fun thing where I think like once we're at the right point in time, um, yeah, I'd love to put out either, you know, a, a physical release for artists or a compilation or, Something yeah, that's what like I was gonna that. say. We're we're definitely gonna do the world's first value for value vinyl compilation. That's 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 gonna happen. Heck yeah, dude! I love that you guys are moving this direction. This is amazing. You got to bring all the physical stuff into it too, because that's that's important. I mean, right now, a lot of those physical elements, like merchandise and other physical products, are an absolute necessity because that's one of the only ways people can monetize. But being in that business, I know how much of a, a pressure that is. So it's going to be so cool when that becomes the fun part and you're able to even do more of that because you're able to be supported in other ways financially um, as an artist. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to showing how, I mean, there's just, yeah, there's, there's ways that we can reinvent all these things um, that That's artists awesome. are used to, but just in new and exciting ways. That's awesome. I mean, that, that reminds me. So open mic, um, who is uh, the CFO of First Avenue in Minneapolis? He's been putting together these shows. Um, he uh, he mentioned something in the last week that really struck me, and, and it was just that like, if you're a music lover and you go to a show, you know, like you just implicitly know that the way the band makes money is if you buy merch. Like every right, every yeah. music fan knows this. It's just this open secret. Like they're not making any money off the tickets. Yeah. Um, like if you want to support them, like buy a t-shirt, buy a record. Um, and so like, we know those people are out there. And I think like a lot of what we're building is just, it's just tapping in to those, like those people have no outlet to like express their support. 
um, apart from these sort of narrow singular um, instances. And I, so, so I think like, I don't know, uh, like going into next year, I think a lot of what we'll be trying to do is opening that up so that people who are truly music fans can show it, you yeah. know, in, in also different ways and, and ultimately benefit artists in the end. Yeah. Let's talk about the artists now. Cause I, I do want to spend time. I know you guys were coming up on the end of the hour for y'all, but like what's, um, I know Joe reached out to us early trying to try to help him get a gig here in town. Um, but like, what's, uh, what are some other artists that are like super stoked? Like what's, what are some, some of the, some of the stories that you guys heard from artists and then we can go to users after that. Or yeah. Fans. I mean, Joe, Joe Martin definitely was one of the, I mean, he, he was kind of doing this before Wave Lake had even started. He didn't know that we were working on it or what was going on. And so he pushed his music out to RSS just in the, the traditional way that you would do that. Same way I kind of did it when I was playing around um, before too. And um, so he was super pumped to use Wave Lake in a sense. I mean, he just released a song called The Jetsons last month. And it was released, I think I think it was about a month or at least a few weeks ahead of the traditional streaming platforms. And it was kind of cool because the day that it went live, I think on those other those those other places, um, I think it went it hit the number one spot on Wave Lake. So he's a really good example of someone. And he's been just such a fantastic advocate of this too. Like every time, you know, he, he's been on the podcast circuit in the Bitcoin community and has, um, has always said really cool things about it. And, and he, he at his shows, he has little educational pamphlets and stuff that he gives out oh, with, wow. with the CDs. And so he's really good about doing that. Um, Anzi Costello is another really great example. Mentioned her earlier. Um, I met her dad at Bitcoin Park at the Lightning Summit and he brought her to our Wave Lake demo the next day. And within a week, she had a song uploaded and she became the first artist to make a million sats on Wave Lake. Wow. Now I think she's made about, I think the last stat I heard is she was up to about 15 or 1700 bucks in, awesome. in in dollars, which is you know like I think it's coming up on almost three times what she's made in her life in music and, and anywhere else. So that's really promising because you know you take an, a young artist like that who doesn't have a huge fan base in in other areas of her career and through this small community has been able to do better and thrive um, in a way that she's never been able to see before. So I think that for these these people that are willing to try it out now. And I think there's a really bright future ahead for them. And I think that's what they see you know, now is that I've been doing this for four or five years and I haven't, you know, I've made like 12 bucks and then I get on here and yeah, I have all these like super techie Bitcoin nerds talking to me now on Twitter or whatever, but like they're supporting my music for what it is. They like the music and they're supporting the idea. So um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many, there's Just Loud is on there, Tone Wrecker, so many great art. I mean, there's, we're, I think we're approaching 500 artists on Wave Lake maybe 475 yep. or something like that. And I mean, just the catalog is growing nice, and dude. the artists are growing and it's just so fun. And I've discovered, I've discovered so much cool new music and people are uploading stuff that hasn't seen the light of the day in like, you know, 10, 20 years, like old projects that they're getting excited about people who, who hung it up and like stopped making music are now starting to make music again because of this, because they thought there was no path towards um, being able to be supported as an artist and then they see this happen and it inspires them to make music again. So yeah. I'm so pumped to see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. The the amazing thing that I did not expect to happen in this past year, as the catalog has grown and like as the number of songs have grown, I listen to oh, yeah. like more and more. And like, you know, at the end of the year, everyone's talking about like, the streaming platforms have their like end of year stats. So they'll be like, you listen yeah, yeah. to like these top five artists and these are top yeah. albums. Like there's, a, there's this weird, uh, like unexpected disconnect that's been happening when I look at those lists and I look at my own and I realize like, Oh wait, there's like all these artists that have been in my head for the past year that are not on any of these lists. Interesting. And so, and like the music that I truly love and have been listening to and like song, like that Jetson song that Sam mentioned, like that was in my head all last weekend, just like over, but I have like a weird brain like that. But anyway, yeah. you know, there, there's like this, it's like this alternate reality or I don't know how else to describe it. It's like this other dimension of music that is just as legitimate 
and viable as you know everything else that's on like the major streaming platforms but it's it's i don't know it's it's not it doesn't exist in that universe but it was as important to me as any of that other stuff was so like that was that's just a really pleasant surprise to come away this year with is that like oh this like we were able to f- i was able to find a lot of really great music in this non-traditional way right. yeah it's, that's such a good testimony to to you just i think what happened is you just forgot how powerful music discovery is you, you know it's like you're being reminded through wave like that like oh yeah this is what it was like to go to a record store and buy a record just based on like what the album cover looked like yeah. And then be so stoked when it was actually good or to go to a concert <laughs> to see yeah. this band, but then this band opens and you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. And they become your favorite band ever. That's, that's, it's a very similar experience that that's cool. I'm nostalgic for but it's also like that should exist. We've lost our music discovery with these other places. That's so good. Because you're like trying to take that, that type of world and bring it to, to the Bitcoin space. It's, it's phenomenal. Like the, that's like, that's kind of stuff I love. It's just that kind of thing. Uh, we played, we played, we haven't set it up here in the lab, but the last place we were at, we had you guys playing all the time. So awesome. Uh, just, just in the That's background, great. just like really low in the background. And then we haven't set it. We got a couple TVs we got to set up, but definitely want to just have that, it. If you haven't tried it yet, we got that party mode. For the yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, for sure. We I, definitely tried I would, that. Yeah, I'd recommend also these music podcasts that we're featuring on the site now too. I was like, okay. I was actually just listening to them, uh, earlier today when I was working uh, just in the background, it just, it just sounds like radio. It just sounds like nice classic radio, but with, you know, a, a different variety of songs. Um, but it's, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. I, I can't wait to really dive into it. It's just been so crazy busy this month uh, with all my stuff. But as soon as we get into, I guess after the 18th, 19th, everything should start slowing down. I can go back and look at all my friends stuff that they're making out there. So um, when's the, when's the app coming out? When's the, uh, are you guys thinking like next year at some point or you can, you can beta test it now. If you go to app.wavelake.com, if you have an iOS device, you can download, download test flight and then download the app within there. Um, a lot of people don't know how to do that or are scared by that. So it's totally understandable. But if you know, if you know how that works, it's actually pretty simple. You just click on two links and then, then you got it. Um, as far as the, the first, the first version of the app getting shipped to the app store, hopefully in January, but awesome. um, we have to tighten up a few things at the end of this year and then look at that and figure out what really needs to be there before it gets out to the public. There's a couple little things I think we still need to do. So we'll see, but we're hoping, I mean, definitely in the first, the first part of the year, first couple months of the year, the app will, will hopefully go, go um, out to the public in a more general way and not just the test flight way, but I encourage you to try it out now. It's really fun. I mean, I got it on my phone and I listen to it every single day and it's great. Awesome. Yeah. Android release is also in, yeah, in flight. We're just working on it simultaneously. Cool. The other thing I want to mention, what, just real quick, what's y'all's thoughts on the whole like Apple lightning kind of, you know, blocking apps and stuff just because you guys are entering that area, it seems like, or arena. Um, yeah, that's a concern. I mean, we don't, There, I know there's a couple people have figured out ways to sort of play along to some extent to, to curb some of that risk of being pulled from the store. Um, luckily we have a web version too. We will have this Android version. I'm sure we'll have a PWA progressive web app at some point in time, but um, I don't know. I mean, who knows where Apple's going to go? I like, I've heard both arguments, people saying there's no way Apple would ever um get on board with lightning or any of this stuff, even if they wouldn't, even if they're getting a cut, they would never do that. And then I've heard people make really compelling arguments that they would. So I don't know. I, I hope that, I mean, I think ultimately everyone's going to get on board with this at some point in time. I don't know how long it's going to take. So in the long game, I think, you know, if Apple's still around, whenever this happens, then they'll get on board with it or, or anybody who doesn't will just probably cease to exist at a certain point because they won't be moving with technology. But, um, I'm hopeful for it. I mean, I think we're we're going to try to do everything right to get yeah. it pushed through and play by the rules as much as we can right. without without having to bend the knee too much as I've heard that phrase get thrown around a little bit with that. So um, we still have to make sure we're staying true to our vision and it's not, none of that yeah. stuff's being compromised. But yeah, it's a concern, obviously. Michael, what do you think? Yeah. Like, uh, 
just when you yeah. on, on the like because you're obviously already doing a test flight and stuff so um i i mean there's there's guys that are shipping right now stuff in the lab too and they're that's their primary concern is the, the app store so unfortunately yeah i think sam put it best it's just a it's just a risk and it's just one of those things that um you know there's no way to tell uh what they'll say yes or no to and it's kind of murky what the rules are um i don't know i think like this is another one of those um this is another one of those topics that i think people are becoming more conscious about and aware of um where possibly the landscape the regulatory you know rules might be changing you know i just saw that epic won a lawsuit against google for like monopolistic practices in the play store um so you know i don't know it's another yeah there it's a it's a point of concern but i also think like you know we're hopeful about being able to like show that this yeah is a legitimate use case. And like, I think that that tide will turn and like, and then the other, I think, um, thing that we have going for us is that, you know, people are starting to see that, um, companies like Apple and Google might have a bit too much control over, you know, what, what people can do with their equipment. Um, and so that could also help. That's an interesting point too, because Apple, Apple owns a music library, a streaming library. So mm. the monopoly aspect of it, it, it's a tough one. I mean, it's it's tough to see something like Domus get pulled for certain reasons, but it'd be tough for Apple to pull down, start pulling down uh, companies that are in direct competition with them. You know, I know we'll see it, but it's going to be, <laughs> that'll be a very interesting argument to have with somebody. It's like, is this, is this cool? You know, yeah. Do they like, see you guys as a threat basically, right? Like... Yeah. And it's, you can't, I mean, I don't know how that works. I'm no, I'm no lawyer, but I think it's really yeah. tough to, uh, it, it's a, it's a tough move to be able to pull down yeah. your direct competitor, which I, I wouldn't call us a direct competitor. Yeah. But not you know at what all. I mean. Yeah. yeah it's close enough. It'd be a compelling argument at least. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm praying for that doesn't happen. Uh, also, you know, worst case scenario, you guys just, just release the wave pod and then everything's solved. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. When are we going to get into physical hardware? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, they're making so many boat hey, you know, on the phone. He can help us with that. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 kind of a cool idea. Where I mean, of course, it's a cool idea. Wall. I mean, like everyone that's exactly what I want. It. Sam, make it for us, please. Like you guys cold, make it a cold storage music player. Yes, right. Why? dude, I would rock that everywhere. I really like that's what we yeah. all want. Like, anyways, but um, <laughs> I'm just throwing out ideas that I want to see in the world. So when we were in Japan, I did see there these these cool little things that they're selling. I forget what they're called, but they're like these little, my Michael, I think we were talking about them even Slack or something, but like these little square physical oh, things yeah. that you can buy. They're like little albums, but they just contain all the digital stuff in them. Oh, It'd be cool. cool to do something like that. Now now we're brainstorming. Now we're getting into <laughs> yeah. products, but something yeah. like that that also contained like a, yeah. a, a USB, you know, maybe yeah. we'll do it with open dime or something. We'll get something cool going. Because if you think about it, like, I mean, if Apple keeps doing this, you're just going to force us to go play in our own playground. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what they're doing. Like, I don't think people yeah, understand I mean, like when you're not open and collaborative like that, like you're forcing people to go build their own playground. It, it's, it's not good for, I mean, I know Steve, if Steve was around, he wouldn't be doing this personally. I don't think, I think he would have already adopted Bitcoin, but I'm um, just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, if it's a better system, it's a better system and it's ultimately going to win. And to me, like going back to the original question is this is just part of running a business and especially it's part of running a biz- Bitcoin business. These are just hurdles and it, it almost doesn't even matter what the hurdle is. A hurdle is a hurdle. You got to get over it no matter what it is. Cause as a business owner, they're all the same, really. You just, one might be bigger than the other. But they don't really have a face. That's just a problem that has to be solved. Dang, that's a mouthful right there. I love that. 